Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Beer Geeks, it's Caskmas Eve. <laughs> I hope <laughs> I hope you've got uh, an early bedtime scheduled, no booze for today to prepare for the onslaught of cast tomorrow, and that you will, of course, be joining us for our first ever uh, live cask-based broadcast. The cask broadcast. The bo- broad cask. Uh, I think I've run out of puns. Bradley? Uh, not any puns, but I've I've heard that if only good boys and girls uh, get cask ale on Caskmas <laughs> Day, and, uh, you know... Santa Brad doesn't visit unless um, you leave him a bacon sandwich underneath the caskmas tree. So basically, there's going to be a lot of uneaten bacon sandwiches around uh, around the UK because Brad is not doing the deliveries, and hopefully, you've received your mini casks by now. Um, if you have no idea what we're talking about, tomorrow is our next live show and we've teamed up with Five Points, one of our favourite Carscale brewers, to do uh, a four, probably five-hour broadcast all about the joys of Carscale. Now, if you haven't managed to, if, if this is all passed you by or you haven't managed to get hold of the beers absolutely go down to your local independent bottle shop or retailer and grab some five points beers or some best bitters and porters and join us tomorrow starting at 6 p.m on our youtube channel and you can enjoy some unedited cask nonsense Uh, and there's a link to that in the descriptions box below bradley how's your week been yeah it's been all right mate just uh plodding along like everybody else (laughs) Mid lockdown, can't wait for it to um, open up again. Everything we're getting there. We can we can meet on Monday. I know, right? Meet pretty, with friends. What a weird good. notion. Is yeah. that meet with? What's the deal on Monday then? Meet with who? Six, how, six people outside of your home. Whoa, that is yeah. that's big. Now all I've got to do is get six friends, and then I'm set. <laughs> oh well. No, how how's your week been, Johnny? What have you been doing? How's your week in beer? It's been good. It's been a very beery week. I'm 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 genuinely probably not going to have a drink today in preparation for tomorrow because basically this week I started doing research for my book around Easter beer. Oh. And that meant that I bought some Easter beer and had my beer of the year so far. Go on, um, man. Which was uh the Beer de Mars from the Brewery of St Mars of the Desert up in Sheffield. So, you know, they they are obsessed, like I am, with the brewery de Dollar in Belgium. Um, and for me, 
this beer, Beer de Mars, was like somebody had just dialed down the, the ABV of my favourite beer in the world, Arab beer. So it was it was like brioche and honey and really spiky bitterness and loads of isomel acetate, loads of banana, foam banana notes. It was just just an incredible, heady, spiky, bitter experience, but so crushable at 5, 5.5, I think. Um, and it's just incredible. So if you do have the opportunity to pick up a can, do. Um, and I just got off the phone with a, uh, the owner of the brewery St. Mars of the Desert to chat about Easter beer, um, which, uh, I, I don't know, what do you think an Easter beer should be, Brad? Have you got any idea in your head? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking to, I think what a lot of people would probably think if they've been on the socials of late, uh, Goose Island brought out oh, the, the Cadbury's cream egg, uh, cream stout, which, I mean, I have no idea what, other than that, what an Easter beer should be. It seems like it might have been invented by Clinton's cards, like Valentine's Day. Well, not Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, all that kind of stuff. Um, is this a cynical another thing? What's what's an Easter beer, Johnny? Why is it an Easter beer? I mean, let's make it really clear. The, uh, the ABM Bev versus craft collab that mm. was a cynical clinton style cash in mm. um easter beer has loads and loads of history but no real way of defining it so in germany you have the bock beers that were made around easter they were brewed strong and dark ready for the the gap where nobody brewed in summer in in pretty much all around the world because we couldn't control the temperature of fermentation so the beers often got infected um so you'd, you'd take a break during summer and only age your beer in winter when it was much cooler. Okay. So you've got the Bock beers of Germany where they're brewing, you know, brewing to last until the harvest. You've then got the Lent beers of, of Belgium and Eastern France, which were brewed uh, as, a, as a religious kind of festival. So, you know, an Easter feast, but also some were brewed to fortify you during Lent when you were fasting. Nice. Um, which might be the origins of why the Germans call their uh, their big Bock beers, their Doppelbox. Um, the first one ever made was called Salvatore, which was made by Paul Arner, and that means saviour. Ah, so that could be a little historical link. Um, and then there's sort of Easter beers, like modern Easter beers, which were possibly invented by the Dollar Brewers um, in 1983, or by Schlagmurder, who I think they make a spiced a spiced ale and then um boscoon which is the the dollar beer is hut is made with um mauritian sugar and refermented in the bottle with honey uh and otherwise it's like a giant version of arab beer Wowza. um so yeah it's sort of all over the place but it's all around like the idea of celebrating easter and preparing either for not brewing over the summer or fasting during lent i like it and I think the idea of these Lent beers were like they were drunk fresh. So they're generally like a little bit sweet, a little bit heady um, and sort of bready. Cut time. out the chocolate for Lent, get straight on the beers. <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic monk thinking there. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, we don't really have that in the UK because we, we tore down all our monasteries. We did. We did. Yeah. We did abolish them, didn't we? And all the rest Hen- of it. Henry VIII wanted to get divorced. And so he screwed over a beer geek trying to write a book about British seasonal brewing, didn't he? He didn't think of that in 15, whatever it was, 40 or something. <laughs> so you're saying if we, if, if he hadn't abolished the monasteries, we would have, we would have had monastic beers as well. 
Yeah, definitely. I think so. I don't know whether they'd have tasted the same as what we sort of see as monastic beers, which is generally yeah. that Belgian tradition. But obviously, we... there's monastic beers in Germany, the lagers as well. We'd have um, had our own. What about Bucky? Buckfast? I mean, it's not a beer, uh, but is that monastic? I guess that's monastic. I don't think so. There aren't any monasteries. I think they're just playing up the old monk thing for a for a bit of branding. Or maybe it was based on a recipe somebody found from a a long time ago. A, a tramp um, found while he was yeah. drinking. Buck, but that, buck I mean, that's wine, isn't it? As yeah, well. it's fortified so wine, another, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy, crazy stuff. Yup. Um, so, yeah, there you go. There's my diatribe on Easter beer, which you'll be able to read in my book uh, when it comes out. If it comes out, I was just telling Brad I'm freaking out, but it's going to be fine. <laughs> I'll get it over the line. Ah, I've got faith, mate. <laughs> thanks man shall we talk about our video from this week then yeah go on then so this week we released um <laughs> well we talked about a style that nobody really likes nobody really gets and brewers don't really know what it is and that's the the black ipa and i feel like we both came in pretty confident knowing what it was and then tried two and then and then an, an export india porter and walked away going yeah i don't actually know what it is yeah, it was it was a weird one. Um, yeah, like you say, I think we both had expectations of of how it, how it should be defined, and uh, they were kind of all set up on the wayside. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was an interesting one. It was an interesting one. I, I what, what do you make of them in in general? Black IPAs. Are you a fan? I, I mean, they're not for me. They're not sessionable beers, and I do like a sessionable beer. Um, yeah, I mean the flavors are pretty bold. The, yeah. My issue with black IPA is I'm not quite sure what the occasion is for them. Like when I'm looking yeah. for a dark, roasty, wintry beer, I'm not thinking black IPA. And when I'm wanting a big hit of hops, I'm thinking I'm thinking you know a blonde IPA or maybe maybe a red IPA if if I want something a little bit more caramelly. So yeah, I don't quite get who black IPA is meant to appeal to. Is it porter drinkers who miss hops, or is it hop lovers who miss dark malts? Um, it's a, I get, yeah, it's a real fusion of of those two styles, isn't it? Really, yeah. Um, so I guess uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know who it's for either. I don't know when there's an occasion for it, other than just going, oh, cool, they've got a black IPA on. I'll have one of those. And then yeah, I think back I think to something else. I think that's its place. It's like it's almost certainly when we were first getting into craft beer around like twenty. 2012 2013 it was kind of a symbol that the brewery was taking this this craft thing seriously it was like we've got this weird ass style and you're gonna have one of it and then never go back <laughs> and that's sort of the role that the, the black ipa has played for a long time it's just a a weird thing to tick off and to go huh how interesting but it never never really sells through so this little glut of black ipas we're having i, I don't think will last no is it like um uh the brute ipa well i mean i hope the brute ipa never comes back because (laughs) (laughs) i mean the the issue i had with the brute ipa is yeah you used um amilo glucosa day he's got a really dry beer but there's dry ipas out there already yeah and i remember st ostal their big job their their big ipa that they used that that enzyme to get a really dry beer already just for a normal ipa like it's 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 not a shift in style it's just a dry it's just a dry ipa it's not uh, it was a marketing term basically brute ipa that's what i took issue with it's like it's not different it's 
Um, different names for the same thing, which yes. I think is a Death Cab for Cutie lyric. Um, should we look into the comments? Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I understand you've got a hilarious one. Should we do well, hilarity or nerding first? Uh, well, I've got a few. I've got some people commenting on my, my attire. Um, so I had, we had a comment from Chris Green saying, this is possibly the most hip, hipster look Brad has had since lockdown. Um <laughs> Which I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know whether trucker hats are hipster anymore. They certainly I think it was were. the neckerchief. Was it the neckerchief? I was watching yeah. the state of the neckerchief throughout the video and it was getting more and more unwrapped around my neck to the point <laughs> where it looked like it was going to fall off. Um, but we we had filmed quite a lot that day. so uh... Yeah, that was that was episode number five, I think. Sadly, one episode... Had to be had to be binned due to due to our mic issues. We're getting new mics today. Apologies for this. This video went live late because we were buying the replacement microphones and lost track of time. Uh, so apologies for that. But yeah, we have fixed our mic issue. Hopefully. So we had we had someone having a pop at my my look, and we also <laughs> had someone having a pop at how we sound, Johnny. Um, we had Srups Eleven said no chance of a copyright streak from that rendition, gents. <laughs> I assume he was referring to our Akadaka back in black um amazing cover version that we started the uh the show off with. Cheeky it was it. <laughs> it was the kind of thing like when we did it I don't think either of us expected it to f- end up in the final edit but I was just like it's going to be too funny to yeah. to use that as the intro music. So yeah and we haven't had a copyright strike so srups is is correct that the We're YouTube algorithm didn't clock it. Oh yeah, it could still happen. Yeah, could still happen. I think I, I think am... we'd have pretty strong grounds to to reject that copyright claim. I think if they come after us, we just start wearing Angus Young style um, school schoolboy outfits with shorts and how, little. How would how would that help? Just to say, f you guys, we're we're <laughs> rock and roll. We just hop around everywhere doing that sort of weird scissor kick thing he does. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I reckon. Okay, well, that that is a form of defence in court, I guess. Just <laughs> scissor kicking around in shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great stuff. I. Uh, what do you I, What yeah. do you think of people that always wear shorts throughout the year, Johnny? You know what I'm they're talking idiots. about. I don't you get, get these men, don't you? That just walk around in shorts, like if it's even if there's snow on the ground, you'll see. Yeah, like, I don't know guys, what they're trying to prove. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? Like your legs, they they need a little bit of covering. Mm. Um, it's an odd one. Uh, at least women, when if they if they wear shorts or, or skirts, generally they'll have tights on. So maybe we should go around giving tights to the men who wear shorts all year round and go like, you know, be more sensible. Take a, take a cue from the women who've been doing this for longer. Yeah, I agree. I I, yeah. I I was out on my. I've been noticing a lot of a lot of men running now wearing what is essentially tights, which I find mm-hmm. slightly disturbing, without a pair of shorts above above the the um, the lycra. Uh, I've 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 been one of those people, Brad. Have you? I'm not oh, sure about yeah. that look. I think that's that's too bold a look. I'm not sure everyone wants to see it. The the I mean, it is a bold look, but it does reduce chafage. Reduces chafage, but yeah, it it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a beer podcast. This is a beer yeah. podcast. I had I had a I had a <laughs> I had an old boss who had a had a lycra fetish. Um, you've, many... you've already told this story on the podcast, bro. Have I? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. We'll move swiftly on then. Are you sure I haven't just bored you with it? I, okay. I'm 100%. Let's have some serious <laughs> beer comments. So, uh, we got a great comment from Johnny Heath. 
who uh, says, what do you change in dark lagers versus regular ones? I feel like applying that to an IPA is the most natural fit as to what a black IPA should be. Or just to take, take a dark lager recipe, swap to an ale yeast, throw in some more hops, boom, black IPA. And then he says, can you tell I'm not a brewer? Now, <laughs> Johnny Heath is not a brewer, but he is bang on. That is how the original black IPAs were made. Um, so all the, the original black IPA made by uh, Greg Noonan and his team, uh, and indeed uh, Mitch Steele, uh, so self supreme, su- supremely self-righteous, sublimely, oh my God, the stone one. Um, that was made by taking a, a classic IPA malt grist and then putting in a little bit of Carafa Special 3, which is uh, a dehusked, heavily roasted malt. So you dehusk it to reduce the astringency, throw that in and you get the colour. Um, and that's what's used in, in German Schwartz beers. So Johnny Heath was bang on, and maybe he should be a brewer. Do you think you could just... Well, I think maybe we should just add black food colouring to to it so you don't get the weird roasty taste. I mean, that, that's what other brewers do. But yeah. you want you want a little hint of roast, I which know. is why Carafa is so great. Yeah. Whereas I think I think actually James, which is the Hill Farmstead beer, uses cin- cin- not cinnamon. Oh, God, my, my mouth won't work today. Um but basically a, a, what is essentially an extract of colouring um, to give it the exact colour. But it's still got lots of character, that beer, lots of roasted and darker yeah. malt yeah. darker malt character. Uh, we also got another comment from Copernay Olivier. Great name. Um, who said, I like the name Cascadian Dark Ale because it doesn't give the expectation of IPA hop character and it's less nonsense than Black India Pale Ale. Um, to which I... I mean, this... Cascadian Dark Ale for me is a different beer. Cascadian Dark Ale is... So if Black IPA was a phenomenon from New England in the mid-90s, Cascadian Dark Ale was three or four years later and from the Pacific Northwest, Mm. from Cascadia. And a Cascadian Dark Ale is lower ABV, usually drier and less complicated and usually significantly less hoppy. So they are quite different beers. They're more they're more like a slightly bitter, slightly hoppy porter. Um and usually real like pine um pine and resin notes, like really resiny Douglas fir Christmas tree kind of vibes. Whereas black IPAs will take some caramel, they'll take lots of citrus character and all that kind of stuff and be more IPA. So I think they are two separate things. So Copenay Olivier is correct. It has different expectations, but that's because This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. interesting stuff i do think cascadian dark ale sounds like uh, something a vampire might drink oh definitely that's definitely what the vampires are drinking yeah 
Um, cool, so that was this week's video. If you haven't watched it, there is a link in the description box below where we talk all about what a black IPA is and get ourselves in a complete and utter twist about it by the end um, by drinking a Colonel Export India Porter for comparison and deciding that was a better beer. But it was it was a better beer, but it wasn't a better better black IPA. It was too roasty. We've also, uh, we didn't have a question sent in to us uh, this week. If you do want to send a question, please record it and send it to craftbeerboys at gmail.com and we will play it and we will answer it. But we did have a great question on our Patreon Discord forum, which you can join. There's a link to that below as well. Um, from a new member called Ben Alan. Um, and he said, any thoughts on why breweries don't do more 330 mils, especially on bigger beers? I'm usually drinking solo at home, so this would make things slightly easier to try more beers before hitting hitting the tipsy tipping point. Um, slash piling on quite such a gut. Um, is it just fetishization of 440s as the epitome of craft beer cool, or are there practical reasons in play? Um, tell me about the fetishization. Do you, do, do you think that's a thing, Brad? Definitely. I think people love the idea of like big boys or whatever. In my, in my brain, being uh, nearly a 40-year-old man and drinking a lot throughout my um, adolescence, I associate bigger cans with like really, really awful, cheap uh, lager or cider that you might get at a house party. So for me, I'm not fetishizing the big boy. But certainly I think a lot of younger drinkers who've maybe grown up with 330 mil um, and, and probably see that in terms of more of a, a sort of a soft drink or a soda kind of can size would would think whoa look at this massive like you know there's a, a thing about getting good value and about getting feeling like you're getting something extra um i guess also you kind of got more room on the label to to play with and do sexy artwork and work with artists and you know a lot of great breweries do amazing collaborations uh on, on their beer label artwork so it's a bigger canvas it's like a 12 inch record versus a a seven-inch record, I suppose. So there, there are some good points to it, but I kind of agree. I like, I think I like a smaller format, um, definitely for a bigger beer. And it, it, it is weird that you get the bigger beers often in in the bigger format. What do you? What, why do you think they do that, Johnny? Well, so I, I guess the main reason that we have it in the UK, at least, is because it's a similar format to the American IPAs that we are all fetishizing. Yeah. Five years ago, so they're in America. They're for seven three mil, I think, because um, obviously they're they're using the imperial system, so it doesn't quite equate out. But so I think there was a bit of matching of what was happening in America, and in America, for sure, I think expensive stuff. You know that that wasn't really a can size that was really used in America so much. So when it came out in that size, it was a point of differentiation from soft drinks and from. Um, less quality beer but in the uk it's weird isn't it because 440s were what fosters and carlsberg and all this nonsense came in so in the uk it's a slightly strange decision not to go for 330s where yeah you'd have been like a can of coke but there weren't many of those in the um in the alcohol aisles mm. so i mean basically it comes down to the fact that cloudwater did it cloudwater were sort of the big first first big name to go into can uh, in sort of the IPA scene. Uh, and they did a poll on Twitter, I remember, and they asked, you know, should it be 330s, 440s, or 500s? And 440s won out by quite a significant 
uh, uh, proportion, I think. I think because people saw it as the compromise. They're like, you know, I want I want a bit more beer, but 500 is too much. So we all landed on 440 without really thinking about the implications of a an 8% dipper or a 10% imperial stout or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wish they came in, in smaller cans. Um, but it's always been that way. We used to put... You know, do you remember um, Unhuman Cannonball from Magic Rock? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. An 11% beer, and they were releasing that in 750s Mental. and putting all their other beers into 330s. So. Like that is just asking for... Well, I get... Okay. Okay, okay. So the other reason why they do it is because bottle shares, right? You can you can share it out. That's a Potentially. Good, that's yeah. That's a good shout for a bottle share. A, big, a bigger serving. Um, and, just, and just it's the sense of occasion as well. It's a big bottle of something something special. So whether you're sharing it or not, it's like it's feeding into that idea of making this a special thing. I'm trying to think back in the midst of time to, I think even before a lot of craft beer revolution stuff was going on, uh, certainly for me anyway. And I, I can remember this drink that was called Four Loco that was like some mad... Uh, maybe like an energy drink beer or some crazy shit. And that was in a massive can. Um, I think it made people go crazy. But that was maybe the first... what the, the, One of the first things I saw that was a huge can that people were kind of talking about. Um, not in a crafty way, but in a... I can't remember exactly what a Four loco was, but... Yeah, I know it's it was it was like a sort of party drink that people drank. It was in a little America craze that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just uh, taking a little step back, that there, there are practical reasons for four forties, right? So the first one is that it's more efficient. So it, it's more sustainable. There's more metal going into one package, although cans are not that sustainable, despite what we we tell ourselves. Um, so there's that. There's also the fact that. Um, a bigger format won't change temperature as much. There'll be less oxygen in that can compared to the amount of liquid. So with IPAs, that's going to give them a slightly longer shelf life. Um, and and then it's a better it's a better price. It's better value for the consumer, and it's also a better a better volume um, sorry margin for the brewer in terms of the amount of work that has to go into how much liquid gets out. So there are lots of reasons, you know, the bigger the format, the easier it's going to be for the brewer. So I think that that does feed into it another way. But I think it is mostly fetishization. The right people went into those 440s. Maybe 4Loco had its had its influence. And and now we're we're bloody stuck with it. But I do think if we want to promote sustainable and healthy drinking, really anything anything over you know, 6% should really be going into 330s. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, there you go. You know, craft beer is known for making decisions that aren't in its best interest, and I think that was probably one of them. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. Um, the last thing we need to tell you about is the fact that not only do we have our show tomorrow with five points, next week we are one of the stages at Siren Craft Brew's incredibly ambitious uh, Grateful Eight digital beer festival when they'll be celebrating their eighth birthday with some amazing and delicious beers we've tried a couple um and you can still get your hands on them you can still order the drink along box and it's an all-day festival two till eight with an after party i think uh, of some music so it's, it's going to be a big old day and we've got uh, a panel about independence in a post-covid world we've got a cook along with burgers we've got 
how to taste beer like a beer judge um and then a taste along of of the the special beers brewed for the event that's what's happening on 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 our stage as it were so uh there's links to all of that in the descriptions for this podcast as well anything anything left to add bradders um only that i'm pretty excited to be uh at the pembury tomorrow drinking amazing uh cask straight from straight from the bar and eating delicious pizza with, with yeah, some man, good we're gonna be living. Gonna be, so yeah if you great. if you are joining us make sure you have pizza for dinner because we'll be doing a pizza and beer matching masterclass as well so go pick up some beers even if they're not the real ones we're drinking best we're drinking porter and we're drinking american pale um and you can join in the fun even if it's not the right beers with some pizza so we will see you guys tomorrow unless you're listening on dave in which case uh i don't know just go back and listen to all the podcasts we've ever made that sounds like fun The Bubble Podcast is brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer Channel. Head to youtube.com slash the Craft Beer Channel to watch this week's video and over 400 more exciting episodes. If you love what we do, please, please, please do subscribe and even join our Patreon at patreon.com slash craft beer channel. Love and beer.